How many of you are thankful for that holy night when unto us a son was given? Amen. Because of that gift, you and I have eternal life. And let us not forget that, especially during this time of year. Amen. Tonight, I want to bring to you a Christmas message. I pray that uh, the last series that we went through on kingdom living was a blessing to you and a challenge to you. And I pray that you begin to implement that into your life so you truly experience what it means to be a son and daughter of the Most High God. You know, that series was as special to me as I hope it was to you. And there were things that I learned from it, things that I garnished from it, and just pray that we can learn to walk by that. Amen. But tonight, I want to talk to you about seeking a Savior and a journey of faith. But before we go there, go to the Lord in prayer. Just ask that he bless me, bless you, and bless our time together. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for the precious gift of your son, Jesus Christ. God, if it wasn't for him, we'd have no reason to sing, no reason to dance, no reason to praise, no reason to gather together. We would do so in vain. But I'm thankful, Father God, tonight that we're not gathering in vain, but we are gathering in the name of the Most High God. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would fill this place. I pray that you would fill my mind and my mouth and my heart and my body. God, that I would be able to bring forth, Father God, the seeds of salvation that you've laid upon my soul. That it would bring, Father God, life to the listener. And, Father, that it would bring a change in our hearts. I pray, God, for everyone that's in your house this evening. That you would anoint them, Father God, that you would give them ears to hear and hearts to listen. That you would come against every hindering spirit, every distraction, every form of, uh, of, of just things that the devil would, Father God, bring against us to distract us and keep us from being able to celebrate your word this evening. And I pray, Father, that you would be with those that might still be on their way with this bad weather, Father God, that you would protect them and and cover them, Father. I pray with your ministering angels. Just be blessed this evening as we give our lives and our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Tonight we're going to look at main scriptures, Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to read it, something that obviously we've read many times before. But Matthew 12, 1, or Matthew 2, 1 to 12 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I might come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. 
There's a whole lot of stuff that, you know, can be preached out of this this passage. But I'm just going to focus on a, a couple things this evening. I know we've heard this story dozens of times over the years, but no matter how many times we've heard it, no matter how many times we've read it, no matter how many times we might have even uh, taught it ourselves, it's still a story that is kind of shrouded in mystery. How many wise men actually were there? Where in the east did these men actually come from? Who actually were they other than magi or, or wise men? No names are given to them. No details about their life are given in the scripture. It doesn't tell us whether they're married. It doesn't tell us whether they have children. It doesn't give us details about their life. It doesn't tell us how long the journey was going to take them. How old Jesus was when they actually got where they were going. What did they face along the way and what happened to them after they came to the Christ? All questions, church, that many individuals have no answers to unless you really study outside of the word of God. We're left with kind of just this, this brief story. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful story, but there, it leaves a lot of questions that, that have to be answered. From tradition, church, we seem to know all the facts and we seem to know all the details. If you ask all of if I was to ask all of you uh, about this story, the reality is all of us would probably have different details concerning it, uh, what tradition might have taught us and what we might understand. But traditionally, uh, we have this idea that it was three wise men draped in royalty, wearing crowns, church. We have this, we have this traditional thought that they all came from faraway places, riding on camels, traveling to see the newborn king. Traditionally, according to so many stories we hear, many people believe that they were at the birth uh, of Jesus Christ and saw him along with the rest of the shepherds. But if you study the scripture, a lot of these are inaccurate, and I'm not going to get into that this evening. All I'm trying to tell you is traditionally, We have this understanding of reality when in all reality, there's still a lot of mystery that that surrounds this story. As we actually study to the scripture, church, we, we discover that there are questions that cannot be answered about the wise men if we're only using the biblical text. I know that we've all seen pictures about him, and this is, this is part of the tradition that we, that we hold to and part of tradition that we cling to. We sing songs about them. We, we, we read stories about them uh, enough times that we believe that we actually know all there is to know about this event. But the reality is we don't. We assume that there were three wise men mainly because of three gifts mentioned in Scripture, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the Bible never tells us how many wise men actually traveled to see the Christ. The Bible says they came from the east, but where actually in the east did they come from? And from how far away did they travel? The Bible actually doesn't tell us. Historically, if these men were wealthy rulers, as many believe and many cling to, then they could have had a caravan with them, which would have numbered in the hundreds that actually went to see the king. But the Bible doesn't really tell us that. This story is shrouded in mystery, church. So what's the point of this story? What is the mysterious message that's hidden between the lines if you were to read between the lines? What's the moral to this fabulous Christmas story, church? Because at the heart of the story, these things, these things that we so often cling to might not even be accurate. There's so many truths that we don't, that we don't know according to scripture. So the question is, what is the point? What's the moral of this story, church? Ask yourself, 
What if there were only two wise men that went to see Jesus? Would it change the story at all? What if there were four? What if there were five? What if there were actually 14 or 40 wise men that went to see the Christ? Would it change the relevance of the story? Would it change the meaning of the story? Or would it change, church, the importance of the story? And the answer is absolutely not. Because the point is simply that someone went seeking for a Savior. And the point is that someone found a Savior as well. The reality is it doesn't matter how many went to seek a Savior. What matters is that someone took the time to seek a Savior and someone found a Savior as well. That's what's important about the story. That's what's important about Christmas because Jesus or God is looking for someone who is willing to seek his son. God is willing. He not really. He wants everyone to, but he's looking for that individual soul that's willing to seek a savior this Christmas. And that's what this message is all about, church. It's the fact that someone actually sought for a savior and someone actually found him as well. It's a, it's a meaning that we cannot forget. It is the heart of this story that we must cling to because the Bible says, if you seek me, you shall find me. If you seek for me with all of your heart. God was saying, listen, if you set out to seek me like these wise men sought me, you're going to find me. If you seek for me with all of your heart, like these wise men sought for me with all of their heart. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with the fullness of your heart. If you seek after me with an undivided heart, I want you to understand that if you're seeking Christ with an undivided heart, you'll never find him. If you're seeking his blessings with a divided heart, I mean, you'll never find them. If you're seeking his power and his anointing and his blessing and his presence in your life with a divided heart, you will never find what you're looking for. We must seek him with all of our heart, the scripture says. And God promises that when we seek him with an undivided heart, we will find him and we will find all that he has. Amen. We will find that place of plenty that we talked about last week. Listen, the reality is, if you want to find the Savior, you've got to seek him with all of your heart. You can't seek him with a portion of your heart. You can't seek him with half of your heart. You can't seek him with a little bit of your heart. If you want to find a savior, if you want to find the newborn king, if you want to find what you're looking for in Jesus Christ, you've got to do so with all of your heart, church. The reality is, if you seek God with half of your heart, you really have no desire to find him at all. The reality is, if you're seeking after Jesus Christ with half of your heart, you really have no desire to fellowship with him at all. You really have no desire to come into his presence at all. You really have no desire to experience Christ or God in his fullness at all, unless you're seeking him with all of your heart. You see, some people seek God with half of their heart because they're not willing to give him all of what all of their heart. There's a lot of people out there that seek God with a little bit of their heart because they're not willing to give him all of their heart. And because of it, they can't find what they're looking for. The reality is there's so many individuals out in this world this Christmas who will not find Jesus Christ. They will not find the meaning of Christmas because they're not seeking after the Christ. 
They're seeking after super sales and they're seeking after best buys and they're seeking after Santa Claus and they're seeking after Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and they're seeking after all these things that the world has to offer and in the midst of it all, they will not find the little babe lying in a manger. Because their world is filled with chaos and they will not find the Christ because they've not set out like wise men to seek Him with all of their heart. You and I need to understand this, church. We must seek Him with all of our heart and unless we do, we will not find Him. Please realize that this story is all about the condition of the heart. It's about the fact that these wise men, no matter how many there were, no matter where they came from, no matter who they really were, no matter what they looked like, no matter what their nationality was, no matter if they were royalty or whether they were, were not royalty at all, the reality is they had a heart that longed for God. They had a heart that wanted nothing more than to come into the presence of the king. They wanted nothing more than to, than to see prophecy fulfilled. They wanted nothing more than to see God made flesh dwelling among them. They wanted nothing more than to walk with him and talk with him and fellowship with him. And so they sought after Him with all of their heart, church. And we must do the same, not just on Christmas, but every day of the year. Amen. We must seek after Him. David said, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. Like that deer that is desperate for a drink of water, so my soul longeth after you, David said. And these wise men were exactly the same. These wise men set out for something that they knew would quench the thirsting of their soul. These men set out and searched for something that they knew would satisfy their hunger. Listen, if they were rich men, which they were because they carried treasures, if they were rich men, their riches were not enough to satisfy. They still needed something else in their life. And so I don't care what this world has to offer you. It will not satisfy your soul until your soul is willing to seek after God with everything that's within it. Church, we will never experience the true meaning of Christmas in our life. And that is Jesus Christ. Without Christ, you can forget about Christmas. If you take out Christ, all you got is a mess. Amen? So, uh, And that's what's happening with this world. It's a mess because they've taken Christ not just out of Christmas. They've taken Christ out of everything. As the deer pants for water, so should our soul long after God, especially during Christmas, church. But because their heart longed for God, because their heart sought for God like the deer sought after water, they found Him, church. And so can we. If we seek for him with all of our heart, remember, church, Herod couldn't find him because he made no room for him. Herod couldn't find the Christ. Herod never found a savior because he was unwilling to to step off his own throne. You see, Christ was Christ was about to get in the way of, of Herod's plan. Christ was about to get in the way of Herod's throne. That's the way Herod was thinking. And the reality is there's a lot of people today That would rather Christ go away because they're not willing to come off the throne of their heart. They're not willing to make some room for Jesus Christ. But he never found them. The soldiers that were sent to destroy the newborn baby, they never found them. All of his aides never found them. The scribes never found them. But the wise men found them because they had a heart that was fully willing to seek after God. 
And the same thing goes for us, church. Unfortunately, so often, like I said, after spending so much time during the Christmas holiday seeking after the super sales and seeking after the best buys and seeking after those great Christmas recipes and seeking after all the toys that are on the Christmas list, we've got no time left to seek a Savior. We've got no time left to seek the Son. We've got no time left to seek His face. We've got no time left to seek His glory. We've got no time left to seek because we are consumed with so many other things that cannot offer us what the the Savior can offer us. We need to make sure that when it comes to Christmas, we keep our eyes fixed on the Christ. That nothing else matters, church. Listen, if you can't buy your kid a single gift, if you can give him Jesus, that's all that matters. If you can welcome him into the Spirit of Christ, in the presence of Christ, it's all that matters, church. Give him Jesus if you can't give him anything else. It's what we have to realize. We've lost this understanding of what Christmas is all about, church. Their hearts... Uh, so many of their hearts, like like uh, Herod's, was filled with loathing instead of with longing. And because of it, they never found the newborn king. But the, but the wise men, church, their heart was filled with a longing for Jesus Christ. And they found him because of it, church. Are we really seeking Christ with all of our heart? Are we really seeking after a Savior, church? I hate to say it, but in my opinion, whether my opinion matters or not, But in my opinion, Christmas has become so cluttered with materialism and commercialism that Christ can hardly be found anymore. I believe with all of my heart that in the midst of all of the commercialism and in in, in the midst of all of the materialism that surrounds us on Christmas, Christ is so hard to find. The truth is we see more Santas than we do nativities. The truth is we... We see more candy canes and Christmas trees than we do mangers. The reality is we read more about holly jolly Christmases than we do about the Christ. The reality is we're more concerned about decorations and all of those things that surround Christmas that we overlook the deity of Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying us, I'm saying in general, and I'm saying unfortunately it even takes place in the house of God. It even takes place among God's people. And we wonder why Christmas is so often empty. We wonder, church, why we can't even seem to find Christ at Christmas. Because we're not seeking Him with all of our heart. We're seeking after so many other things, church. Please understand, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with these things that I'm mentioning. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Santa Claus and there's anything wrong with Christmas trees and there's anything wrong with candy canes, church. I'm not saying that we can't enjoy this this time of wonder with our kids. But I hope that we all understand that the wise men did not come looking for Santa Claus. They came looking for Jesus Christ. They did not come looking for Rudolph the reindeer. They came looking for a redeemer. They didn't come looking for mistletoe so they could kiss someone under the mistletoe. They came looking for a Messiah. They came looking for prophecy fulfilled. They came looking for Jesus Christ. They came looking for God made flesh who came to dwell among them. They came looking for the Savior of their soul. That's who they came looking for. And because they did, they found Him. 
The reality is they didn't travel all across the countryside, church, to, to sip some eggnog and put up a Christmas tree. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if it clutters out Christ, there is. The reality is they traveled all across the countryside to find Jesus Christ. And that's it. That's it. And they were willing to pay whatever price it would take to find Him. They were willing to make whatever sacrifices they needed to make in order to make Christmas a reality in their life. To experience the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. Listen, we cannot allow ourselves, church, to be caught up in the clutter of Christmas and miss Jesus Christ. Because everything that we celebrate has to bow to Jesus Christ. Every, every image, every individual, everything that we put on a pedestal and use to celebrate Christmas, we must be reminded that all of that, even the imaginations, church, have to bow to Jesus Christ. We must make room for Jesus, church, instead of all of this other stuff. Please understand, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this or condemning you if you celebrate any of it. But what I am telling you, church, is that you must make Jesus Christ the priority of your Christmas. That's what you must seek after with all of your heart. And that's what we must cling to, church. Whether there were three or 13 or 30 wise men to go that, that, that traveled across the countryside, what we must learn is they sought a Savior with all of their heart, church. With all of their being, with everything that was within them, they sought a Savior on that occasion, church. And they sought Him by faith as well. And that's what I want to look at a little bit. The truth is, church, even though these wise men are shrouded in mystery, even though that there's so many things that are unknown that surround them, there's one thing that is certain about these men. They were men of faith. They were men of faith. And as you look at the story, as you read the story, as you meditate and study on the story, you're going to discover that these were men of faith, church. Remember, no one had told them about the birth of the Messiah other than Old Testament prophets. No angel had appeared to them yet in a vision to give them direction or to give them insight or to give them, to give them instructions as what to do. There was no, there was no grand announcement that had been made to the world concerning the birth of Jesus Christ church. And yet these men set out to seek him. These men left their home and their house and everything in order to seek the newborn king. It's what the Bible says, church. They left house and home in order to seek him. The only evidence that they had, church, was a star spoken of in Numbers 24, 17, which would rise up from the east, the Bible said. A star that would come out of Jacob and crush the heads of Moab. It's all they had to go by was the prophecy of a star. And I hope you understand that these had to have been men of faith because they were looking for a star. They were looking for a star, and when they saw it, something happened in their soul. It's why we must watch. It's why we must be alert. It's why we must be waiting. Listen, there is a star coming once again. There is a star coming once again, and the Bible says it will flash from the west to the east. So it shall be with the coming of the Son of Man, just like lightning flashes. They saw a star because they were looking for a star. 
If anybody else was looking, they could have followed along with them. But the Bible makes it very clear that when he went, when these wise men went to Herod and asked about the king, they didn't know what he was talking about. They weren't looking. They weren't watching. They weren't waiting. These were men of faith that were waiting for prophecy to be fulfilled in their life. I hope you understand the importance of that. If we call ourselves sons and daughters of God, if we call ourselves a part of the family of God, if we call ourselves uh, men and women of faith, we better have our eyes set towards the heaven. We better not be caught up in the clutter of this world, church. We must have our eyes fixed on Him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Just waiting for His return. That's what these wise men did. They were waiting, watching, and when they saw that star, church, they stepped out by faith and followed it. You see, following Christ is a step of faith. Following Christ is a journey of faith. Look, they had never touched Jesus. They had never heard the voice of Jesus. Jesus had never appeared in some, in some miraculous vision that they had prior to this moment. They had not walked with Him and talked with Him. They had not even laid eyes on Him. And yet they left everything behind to seek Him. It's what this, this journey of faith is all about. It's what Christianity is all about. It's each and every day stepping out in faith, looking, seeking for a Savior. It's every single day, even once we've accepted Him into our life, it is a walk of faith, church, believing that He is the Son of God, believing that He is the way, the truth, and the life, believing that He is our only way to the Father. It is a journey of faith. And this story represents the Christian walk and what is required in order to come before the King. It's faith. It is a full heart that's willing to seek Him. When you seek me, you will find me. And you've got to seek for me with faith, this this story is teaching us. Because listen, if you don't have faith, as soon as you you come uh, to your first hurdle, you're going to turn away and forget about the Father. As soon as you come to that first curve in the road that you weren't expecting and you didn't know was over the horizon, when you face your first sickness, when you, you face your first difficulty, when you face your first giant, when you face your first wall of Jericho, if you don't have faith, none of it's going to move. David moved Goliath by faith, church. Joshua caused the walls to come down by faith, church. We need faith. If we want to see the sun. And we need to do that on each and every day, church. We must be filled with faith like these men, church. Remember, the Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It is the substance. It is the makeup. It is the physical body. It's the thing that you can touch and feel and hear. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence. It is the proof. It is the manifestation of things not seen. They had never seen Jesus, but they had faith that He was. They had never heard His voice, but they they had faith that He was. They had no clue where He actually lived or was or where they would find Him, but they had faith that they would find Him, church. They set out 
Because of their faith, they found faith. Because of their faith, they found a Savior church that they were seeking for. And we must realize that. Understand, these men weren't chasing after a fairy tale. These men were not chasing after some myth. They were not, they were not chasing after some make-believe story that they didn't believe in. They were seeking for the substance of the thing that they had hoped for for centuries. They were seeking for the substance of prophecy. They were seeking for the substance of the Word of God and the promises of God. They were seeking for the evidence that they did not yet have. But faith made it manifest in their life. Do you understand this, church? When you have faith, it unlocks the doors of the impossible in your life. That's what faith does. It releases the supernatural power and revelation of God into your life. You need faith. You need faith, faith, faith. These were men of faith, and we need to learn from them, church. They were seeking for the substance of what they had hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. They hadn't seen Christ or heard Christ, but they believed that he was. And they sought him with all of their heart, church, and so must we. These, these, these wise men understood that without faith, it's impossible to please him, the Bible says. Impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Listen, without faith, you cannot come into fellowship with God. Without faith, church, you cannot enjoy the company of God. Without faith, we need to understand that you and I cannot come into the presence of God, church. It's biblical. The Bible says it's impossible to please God apart from faith. Because anyone who wants to approach Him must believe in two things, the Bible says. It says you must believe that He exists and you must believe that He cares enough to respond to those who seek Him. These wise men believe both those things, trust me. Because they were men of faith. And this is, this is so often where we get caught in our, in our life. The reality is, listen to me, there's a lot of people, even in the house of God, that believe He exists, that God exists, but they don't believe He cares enough to respond to them. They believe that there's some kind of deity floating around up in the sky. They believe a God exists, but they don't believe He's the Savior. They don't believe He's a Redeemer. They don't believe He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. They don't believe that, that He is everything that He says He is, church. There's a lot of individuals out there, church, who say they believe in God, but they don't have fellowship with God. There's a lot of people out there that say they believe in God, yet they don't enjoy the, the company of God. There's a lot of individuals, even in the house of God, that say, I believe in God. But listen to me, church. They, 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 they don't ever seem to be able to come into the presence of God. That's the reality. But these men understood what it was going to take to come into the presence of the newborn king. And it was faith. A belief, a faith that He exists, and not only that He exists, but that He is willing, church, to respond to our needs. Willing to respond to our hurts. Willing to respond to our sorrows. Willing to respond to our heartaches. Willing to respond to the, to the trials and the tribulations that we face in life. Listen, there are a lot of religions out there that believe that there is this Almighty God, but they don't believe He's a personal God. They don't believe that He can be intimately acquainted with all of your ways. They don't believe He can hurt when you hurt and cry when you cry and laugh when you laugh and mourn when you mourn. But that's who our God is. 
Because Jesus is intimately acquainted with all of our ways, church. There's a lot of people who believe in a deity, believe in a God, but do not believe that he is able or willing to respond, church, to their needs. And this is what it's going to take for us to come into the proper relationship or presence of the Lord. Listen, if you want to approach God, you've got to believe that He is God. If you want to approach God, you've got to believe that He is God. That He's the creator of the universe. That there's nothing impossible for Him. That He spoke and said, let there be light and there was light. You've got to believe, church, that we were created in the likeness and the image of God. If you want to experience God. You've got to believe that He is. You've got to believe that He exists, church. And you also have to believe that He is willing to meet your needs. If you really believe that He is, listen to me, if you really believe that that He is the Christ, if you really believe that He is the Redeemer, if you really believe that He is the precious Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of man, if you really believe He is the one true God and the only wise God, if you really believe that He is the first and the last and the beginning and the end, if you really believe that He is the one who was and is and is still to come, you're going to seek Him with all of your heart. If you believe in something deep down in the bottom of your soul, you're going to go after it. The reason so many people don't go after God is because deep down in here, they don't believe that He is. They don't believe that He cares, and they don't believe that He's able, church. It's why they don't really go after Him. The reality is, if you believe that He is your high tower... If you believe that He is your strength and He is your shield, if you truly believe that He is your ever-present help in a time of trouble, the one that you can run to, church, you will seek Him with all of your heart. This is the reality of what it means to seek after God with all of your heart. If you believe that He is the Prince of Peace, church, if you believe that He is the Mighty God, if you believe that He is the Everlasting Father, whenever you have an opportunity, you're going to go after Him, church. And these wise men believed all of that. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the Scriptures. They knew who God was, and they believed every word of it. And it's why they went after him with all of their heart, because they believed everything they understood about him. Everything that had ever been taught to them, everything that had ever been spoken to them about God, everything they ever studied, everything they ever read, it was true and real and precious. And they went after it with all of their heart, church. What an example we should follow. Man, it's it's hard for it's it's hard to to get people even into the house of God. What a shame that is! It's hard to get people to worship. It's hard to get people to praise. It's hard to get people to do anything for God nowadays, even in the house of God. And you want to know why? Because they're not going after Him with all of their heart. Because they're holding something back, or because they don't believe that He is. Don't believe that He cares enough. Because they don't have faith, church. Reminds me, and I shared it a little while ago, and it's not in my message, but it comes to my thought because I shared it a little while ago. When the disciples were on the sea, rowing to get to the other side, and a storm came, and they and they were in a panic because they weren't going anywhere, and they thought they were going to drown, they thought they were going to die. They get up and they go shake Jesus, who's asleep in the back of the boat. And what's the first thing they say? They say, do you not care that we're perishing? 
And what did he rebuke them for? He rebuked them for a lack of faith. Because if they had faith, church, they wouldn't have said what they said. And the reality is, if you don't have faith in God, you won't think he cares. If you don't have faith in God, you won't think he cares about anything that you're going through. Just like the disciples. They didn't have faith in the storm. And they thought because, of they, because they didn't have faith, God don't care. We got it all backwards, church. God was trying to teach them faith, and he's trying to teach us faith as well. And these, these men demonstrated as an example for us to follow. They, their, their journey was a journey of faith, church. Listen, if you believe in something like these wise men, you'll go after it. These men understood faith. They didn't believe, I mean, they, they believed that Christ existed. If they didn't believe Christ existed, they wouldn't have never left their home. They would have never made the decision to go where they went. If they did not believe that Christ existed, that the newborn king was born, they would have never left their their town church. If they didn't believe him to be the Messiah, they would not have tried to approach him. They wouldn't have wasted their time. They wouldn't have wasted their resources or their energy or their efforts, church, if they did not believe he was the Messiah, the newborn king. Who would be ruler of the Jews, church? They would have never left their cities, church. If they didn't have faith, they would not have sought him. And if they didn't have faith, they would not have been looking for the star, like I said. Listen, even when these wise men found him, they had to have faith. When they found him, the Bible says that he was with the mother Mary. She was probably holding him, or he was probably running around their feet. Because if you study it, he wasn't a newborn. He wasn't a little infant child. He was probably a little toddler running around, creating a lot of chaos in the house like little toddlers do. But the Bible tells us, listen, church, when they found him, when he when they came, just like any just like any mother does, when a stranger comes to the house and the door, the first thing they do, they go grab their children, want to make sure they're safe. And I picture that with Mary. Someone coming knocking at the door, three strange men in a caravan follow him, grabs the little baby Jesus and puts her up, puts him up on her lap. And the Bible says, listen, when they found him, they had to have faith that he was God being held in the arms of a young peasant woman. They had to have faith that that this individual that they saw being held in the arms of Mary was God made flesh, came to dwell among them. It took faith even at that point, church. They made it all the way there, but it took faith for them to believe that this little child right here is the son of the almighty God. Amen. It took faith for that church. And listen, that faith turned to worship. If you have no faith, you'll never worship. If you have no faith, you'll never praise. Woo! If you have no faith, you'll never have a dance. You'll never have a smile. You'll never clap your hands because you don't think God cares. My boy, listen. Amen. Come on. When you truly believe that if God is for me, who can stand against me? When you truly begin to believe that there's no weapon formed against me that can prosper, you begin to get a little excited, church. You begin to understand the realities of who Christ really is, but it takes faith. Faith turns to worship. Turns to worship, church. When Paul and Silas were locked up in a prison cell, listen... In the middle of darkness, chained and imprisoned, not knowing what tomorrow would bring. They had faith. Woo! And they began to lift up their hands and they began to magnify God and they began to worship. 
Their faith turned to praise regardless of what surroundings they were faced with, church. Listen, we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. You have to understand, this is a journey of faith. And it was a journey of worship as well, church. And we must seriously learn from this. The truth is, this was, the wise man's journey is always one of faith. And it's one of worship as well. I know I've only got a little bit to go, but... I want to make sure that I cover the important parts. It's faith is what drove these men to Christ, and it's what should drive us as well, church. Faith should drive us to worship. Faith should drive us to praise. Faith should drive us to a place of prayer. Faith should drive us to, to, to give, and faith should drive us to serve, and faith should drive us to, to offer what we have to the newborn king, church. It's like I said, please understand, without faith, it's why we have to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't worship Him, and worshiping Him is pleasing. Without faith, you can't praise, and praise is pleasing to the Father. Without faith, you won't serve, and service is key to the kingdom. Without faith, you won't give, and God asks us to give. It's how we demonstrate. It is part of our worship, church. Without faith, we cannot please God. So we need to make sure that our, our Christian journey and our Christmas journey is filled with faith and filled with worship, church. Listen, look at what these men said. And in the last bit of time, it's what we're going to look at. These men said, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? I want you to understand in those words, there was no doubt that the Messiah existed. I want you to know when they asked that question, there was no doubt that God had already been made flesh and came to dwell among them. In that conversation that they had and in the questions that they asked, there was no doubt in their mind that prophecy had already been fulfilled. There was no, there was no doubt in their heart, church, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had been born on that day. Or the day before, the month before, year before, whenever it was. But they had no doubt in their language. And oh, what we should learn from that church. Where is he, was the question, who has been born the king of the Jews. They had faith that he was alive, church. They had faith that he existed. They had faith that their prayers had been answered. They had faith that their longings, church, have just been fulfilled. They had faith that prophecy, like I said, had been fulfilled. Faith that God cared enough to send His only begotten Son. That's what they had faith in. And you and I should have faith in the same exact thing, especially on Christmas. You see, one of the saddest realities is, listen, one of the saddest realities surrounding Christmas is that even in the house of God, we have individuals who are so broken and so wounded and so hurt and so overcome by the cares of this world that they're wondering, even at Christmas, if Christ is real. They're wondering, even at Christmas, even in the house of God, wondering if he's really alive. Wondering, church, if he is truly their redeemer. Wondering if he really is their ever-present help in a time of trouble. They hear about it. They listen They've heard the pastor's sermons. They listen to the songs on the radio, but their life is so desperate. They're wondering if he really, really cares. The reality is, listen, all I can tell that individual 
is that if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, it's going to spring into something incredible. If you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed and you seek after God with all of your heart, He will manifest Himself to you in complete darkness, church. Understand. This is what you need to understand is that God truly cares enough to respond to your request. Cares for you and loves you enough to respond to your need. To respond to the tears that you weep in the middle of the night when no one else is looking. He loves you enough that He's willing to respond to the hurts and the fears and the worries and the anxieties that no one else knows about. The difficulties that you're struggling with and no one else. He cares, church. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He is the Redeemer. He's the newborn King who wants to rule and reign in your life. And all you got to do is seek Him by faith. And when you do, you'll find Him, church. I'm going to start bringing this to the close. Listen, if you seek Him, you will find Him. Because He's not a man that He should lie. He's not a son of man that He would change His mind. When He speaks, He acts. When He promises, He fulfills, the Bible says. Hebrews 11:6 tells us that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He is a giver of good gifts. He is a, he is a giver of promises, church. He is a keeper of His promise to those who diligently seek Him, to those who seek after Him with all of their heart, with an undivided heart, church. When you seek Him, you'll find Him. It's my prayer this Christmas season that you are seeking Him with all of your heart. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what difficulties you're facing. It doesn't matter what lack might be, might be resident in your life. If you seek Him with all of your heart, you're going to find Him, church. And your Christmas will be that much richer. You see, there's no one else that can satisfy like the Savior can. There's no gift that can be put under that tree that can satisfy the longing of your soul, that can, that, that, that can quench the hunger, church. Other than the gift of Jesus Christ. You see, there are some things. This Jesus is a gift you've got to look for. Jesus is a gift you've got to seek for. Jesus is this, this precious gift like these wise men had to leave their house and home in order to find the Savior. And we've got to do the same thing. We've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to come into the presence of the King Church. Listen, these, these, these wise men... They had no direction other than a star. They had no map quest. They had no road atlas. They had no tom-tom. They had no uh, Garmin GPS to, to lead them along the way, church. You have to understand, they had no idea where they were going. They had no idea what they might face along the way, what obstacles, what hurdles, what, what, what uh, perils might come their way. And yet they sought after him anyway. They stepped out by faith, church, and listen. When they found him, they worshiped. That's what I'm going to end with. Their purpose was firmly established in their heart before they ever set out of that city, church. Their purpose was threefold. It was to seek him, it was to find him, and it was to worship him. And that's what our Christmas and every day should be. Our number one purpose should be to seek him, to find him, and to worship him. If you do nothing else your entire life, you'll be pleasing to the Father. If, all, if your heart is always set to seek Him, if your heart is, 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 is all you want to do is find you, is find God, 
and find his company and find his fellowship and find that relationship. It'll turn into praise. It'll turn into worship. That's all God's looking for from His people, church. It's, it, it was, their purpose was determined in their heart to seek Him, to find Him, and to worship Him, church. And they were willing to risk everything to do it, church. Listen to me. Here's one thing I want you to understand as I bring this to a close. Understand, when these men left the land, they took treasures with them, the Bible says. They took their treasures with them. And here's what I want you to understand about that. What that means is they left prepared to worship. They left prepared to praise. They left their city prepared to offer something of value and worth to the newborn king. I want you to understand that they didn't pick up a pack of praise when they got where they were going. I want you to understand that they didn't have to have somebody work up some worship when they finally got to Jesus. I want you to understand they were ready to worship before they ever walked out the door. They were prepared to praise before they ever climbed on a camel. They were ready to offer something to the king before they ever left the city. And the Bible says when they saw him, listen to me, the weight of that worship that was building up inside, the weight of that praise fell upon their shoulders. And they fell to their knees and they worshiped the newborn king. Amen. They didn't need a choir. They didn't need a praise band. They didn't need a guitar. They didn't need a pastor. They didn't need a priest. They didn't need a choir leader. Because they were prepared to praise before they ever left. And when they saw the king, they worshiped. Oh, my God, what we should learn from that. I'm wondering how prepared we are to come into the presence of the king. I'm wondering how much worship is upon our shoulders so that when we come into his presence, its weight drops us to our knees, church. If it doesn't, we don't have enough worship. If it doesn't, we don't have enough faith. If it doesn't. We have not ascribed enough worth to the newborn king because faith should drive us to worship and worship should drive us to our knees because worship is ascribing to him his rightful place and value in our life. And understand me, when you begin to understand how worthy he is, you begin to understand how little you are. You begin to you begin to take on the spirit of that publican who when he came into the house of God, all he could do was stand in the corner and beat on his chest and fall to his knees and say, "Have mercy on me, a sinner." It's what worship does, and it's what Christmas should be about. It should be about ascribing worth and value to a newborn king. It should be about being prepared to praise and being prepared to worship. When you come into the house of God, I shouldn't have to work you up, and someone else shouldn't have to push you to to praise, church. You should come prepared. You see, we've got a choir up here the same way. Listen, their job is not to push you. Their job is not to motivate you. Their job is not to pull on hard strings. Their job is not to get you moving. Their job is to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Their job is to worship the newborn King. And your job is to join them. 
Stop coming into the house of God waiting for someone to move you, waiting for someone to push you along. Ah, we need to start coming into the house of God with a dance already in our feet and a clap already in our hands, church. And when Christmas rolls around, the question is, what's he worth to you? When Christmas rolls around, the question is, what gift are you prepared to give him, church? When Christmas rolls around in a few days, is it going to be about boxes and bows and, and gifts made by the hand of man? Or is it going to be about a newborn king? Is it going to be about a savior who came to save the world, including you and me, church? You see, my question for you tonight is, how many of you are willing to worship him and seek him with all of your heart? How many of you this Christmas and even tonight and all year through are willing to say, God, I'm going to give you all my heart this year. I'm going to give you all of my praise and I'm going to give you all of my worship and I'm going to give you all that I have within me. Bless your holy name. If that's you and you're willing to seek a savior this evening, I want you to stand to your feet and say, God, I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. I'm going to seek you with all of my heart and I'm willing to pay whatever price needs to be paid. Listen, I don't want to take more time, but I don't want to leave this out. When you get to the end of this story, these wise men couldn't go back the way they came. I want you to understand when you come to Christ, you're never going to be the same. When you come to Jesus Christ, you can't go back the way you came. You're not going to go back the way of the, the darkness. You're not going to go back the way of the world. When you come face to face with the King through faith and through worship, church, you will never be the same. Amen. Just bless the Lord. Amen. God, we're giving it to you tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus. We give you all the praise this evening, Father God, because you are worthy. We give you all the adoration. We give you all the worship. We give you all the glory, Father, because you loved us so much that you sent us your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe and have faith in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you, Father God, for the greatest gift ever made available to us, a gift we don't deserve, a gift we can't earn, Father God. But you gave it to us anyway. And I pray, Father God, that during this Christmas season, and not just on one day, but all throughout our lives, God, that we would have a heart of faith, that we would have a heart of worship. God, that each and every day we would seek you with all of our heart, Father God, so that we might find you. And whenever we find you, I pray that we would turn that moment into a moment of worship, God. I pray that as we're driving down the road, we might worship you. While we're on our way to work, we might worship you. While we're sitting in our living room, Father God, we might worship you and praise you. While we're sitting in the sanctuary especially, that we would worship you and praise you, Father God. That we won't have to wait for someone to drum it up. That we won't have to wait for someone to prod us or push us or, or work up some worship, God. God, but that we would come to the place like these wise men, that before we ever step out, we prepare ourselves for worship. We prepare ourselves for praise. So God, when this Christmas holiday comes around, let us not be caught up or cluttered, Father, by the things of this world and by, by earthly celebrations and meditations, God. But let us have our heart set to the King. Let us have a heart that will not be satisfied, Lord, until we come into the presence of a Savior. 
And Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. I pray, Father, that it would take root in the soil of our soul. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to be light and salt this Christmas season. Because there's individuals out there, God, who don't believe, Lord God, that you exist. And don't believe that you can change their lives or change their situation or heal their sickness or bring home their husband or bring home their wife or bring home their son or bring home their daughter. There's individuals out there who don't believe that you can break that addiction or break that bondage or open up prison doors or heal that troubled mind, God. You've asked us to be salt and light, Father God. And I pray that we would be that during this Christmas season, God. That we would not be ashamed of the gospel or the name of Jesus Christ. That no matter what the world does to shut us up and kick out Jesus, God, that we would stand up boldly and proclaim your name. Thank you, Father God, for all you've done, all you're doing, and all you've still yet to do in our lives. God, we give you the praise and the glory. God, I also am mindful of the, the, the board uh, meeting that the, the church is going to have to go to, Father God, concerning the property, concerning our uh, heavenly vision, Father God, that you've put upon our heart. And I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be not one thing of man, not one word of man, not one thought of man that would hinder the work of the kingdom. I pray, God, that when we go as a people, we would understand, we would go by faith, God, knowing that if you are for us, no one can stand against us. God, we know that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, and we do that, God. So give us humble hearts as you move on our behalf, God. We give you the praise and the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we bless the Lord, church? Amen. If you have a special need, I'll tarry with you. Otherwise, be blessed and go in faith. Amen.